Hello, 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 and welcome to the 10th episode of Mixed Media Reviews Season 2. My name is Kelsey, and today I'll be talking about, well, a few book series that I have been reading. And this week's books are The Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells, The Lunar, Chron- <laughs> the Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Meyer, and The Crave series by Tracy Wolfe. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different again, uh, where I'm just going to be talking about a few series that I'm currently reading. One that I love, one that I like, and one that I kind of love to hate, uh, I guess. Okay, maybe maybe hate is a bit strong, but you'll see what I mean later. All three series I have been listening to on audiobook as well. The Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells is a sci-fi series that mostly consists of shorter books with one full-length novel. I have currently read the first five books, and actually at the time that I am like recording this, I've actually read all six of them. Um, the series is about an artificial construct designed as a security unit, which manages to override its governor module, thus enabling it to develop independence, which it primarily uses to watch soap operas. That is my kind of artificial construct, for sure. <laughs> The Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Meyer is a YA fantasy slash sci-fi retelling of fairy tales. It has four books with two more novellas, and I have read the first four books, uh, but I have only begun listening to the first novella, and I have not even begun to listen to the other novella. In Cinder, a teenage cyborg, which is a half-human, half-machine, must deal with a wicked stepmother, start a rebellion against the evil queen Lavana, and decide how she feels about a handsome prince. As the series continues, Cinder forges alliances with Scarlet, a spaceship pilot who is determined to solve the mystery of a missing loved one with the help of a magnetic street fighter named Wolf, Cress, a computer hacker who is imprisoned by Queen Lavana, and Winter, a princess who's in love with a commoner and who discovers that Cinder, Scarlet, and Crests may hold the key to saving her kingdom and the world. The Crave series by Tracy Wolf is a YA paranormal fantasy that has, I believe, currently six books, but I'm not 100% positive on that number. Um, I have just finished listening to the third book, Covet, and that book uh, series follows Grace Foster, a normal girl from San Diego who moves to Alaska to be with her uncle and cousin after losing both of her parents in an accident. Soon after beginning school at the private school, that's a lot of school, soon after beginning school at the private school, Katmere Academy, where her uncle is the headmaster, she realizes that there is something odd about this school, and yet she is, for reasons unknown to her, drawn to Jackson Vega the most popular guy in school. Who knows why she'd totally be drawn to that guy. As the school year gets underway, Grace can't help but notice the danger that lurks around every corner. First, let's talk about what has quickly become my favorite sci-fi series, Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells. And let me just say, Kevin R. Free, who narrates these books, is freaking amazing. I read the fourth book myself since I had the physical copy, and I still read it in Free's voice. Like, you just can't not read it in his voice once you've heard it. He is hands down, hands down, you guys, the best narrator that I have come across in my Libby adventures. Uh, I absolutely love him. He does just the perfect job, and he even narrated another book, uh, In Deeper Waters by F.T. Lukens. Uh, and I really liked him in that narration as well. So I think he's just a really good narr- narrator. 
Um, but he really, really brings these books to life, and uh, he's just phenomenal. The first book in the series, All Systems Red, is full of action, and it's really a great introduction into this world that Wells begins building, followed by Artificial Condition, Rogue Protocol, Exit Strategy, which is the physical book that I have, Network Effect, which is the longer full-length novel, and finally, Fugitive Telemetry, which I just finished. I think there may be more, though. I'm really hoping that this is a series that she continues, especially Network Effect seemed like it could have the potential to spawn a new series. So I'm really, 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 really hoping that we do get more in the next day <laughs> or however long it takes to write a novel, whatever. I just really hope we get more of them. I love every single thing about these books. Murderbot is an amazing narrator himself. I love how, or itself, I love how much uh, it loves to watch its media and how it can't seem to stop like itself from caring about the safety of its humans. He's always talking about my humans, which is really cute. <laughs> Uh, I also really love the way that the stories connect to each other. Each book is kind of a separate, self-sealed adventure, but there's this overall story that kind of links everything together, and it's a really good story. But also, I really like these side adventures that he kind of goats on. Wells is a great writer. These books constantly make me laugh out loud, which is honestly pretty rare for me when I read. I feel like I'm very... I don't know, caught up in myself and I, or in the novel. And I just, I don't know. I don't really laugh a lot when I read. It's, it's kind of like when you read a meme that's funny, but you type, you know, LOL, like you didn't really laugh out loud, but you thought it was funny. Um, that's typically how I read, but Murderbot Diaries, like I genuinely was laughing often and out loud. And I am sure that Free has something to do with that and very much helps with the way he speaks and his tone of voice. Wells is just a really good writer, I think. She's really good at writing the action sequences, at creating suspense. Everything just makes sense to be told from Murderbot's perspective, including having the bits between dialogues, since it can obviously have these, like, thoughts uh, at a much faster pace than a human typically can, so it doesn't throw me off that he's just been having this, like, tangent of a thought for, like, three paragraphs or something, because... He processes it really fast, so of course the human's not going to notice that he's been, you know, off thinking of something else. It also makes a lot of sense that we get some descriptions about the other characters, but it's more of how, like, an artificial construct created to monitor security would describe them, rather than, like, a human narrator would. And I really like the bits when they're, like, in a ship or a transportation hub or a planet, it's not super detailed, like a human may describe things, but it really works well. Uh, everything about these books work, like I said, and I keep saying, uh, and I just cannot stop raving about them. I absolutely love these books. Uh, when my husband and I were in Seattle a few, few years ago, we were in a bookshop, of course, and he picked up this random book for me, and I thought it looked cool, and it was short, so I figured, sure, let's go for it. I'll purchase it. Sounds like a good plan. And then when I got home, I was about to read it, and uh, I discovered that that was the fourth book in the series, Exit Strategy. Uh, so when I discovered how much I liked reading audiobooks, I decided that this was a great chance for me to finally pick up those audiobooks uh, instead of purchasing the whole series. And I'm so glad that I finally did it. Um, I do kind of want to go and purchase the physical copies, 
but I really, really love the audiobooks. Uh, and just in general, I love them. And again, I can't stop telling people or gushing about <laughs> this series. So you should go read it if you haven't, because they are phenomenal. I think everyone will love them. I really enjoyed reading The Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Meyer. They're light and fun, but they, I mean, they have a little dark bits, but I mean, it's still a fun story, I think. I really like the retelling of fairy tales in general, uh, and I think uh, Meyer does a really good job in doing these retellings. The first book, Cinder, is of course Cinderella. The second, Scarlet, is about you know, Little Red Riding Hood. The third, Cress, is Rapunzel. And the fourth, Winter, is of course Snow White. I really, really loved how she was able to connect all of them together and find bits and pieces to abstract and kind of play with. There's some things that maybe are a bit more literal to the fairy tales and other things where you're kind of like, oh, okay, I can see how that could play into this or tie together. And the way she was able to weave all of those fairy tales together, I think she did it in a really clever way. Bravo, Myers. <laughs> uh, the writing was also pretty good. I think overall, you know, there are of course some minor things here and there that annoyed me, but overall I think she did a really good job of creating this world of creating individual characters, of creating, you know, some villains and some heroes. Uh, and yeah, I don't think it was, you know, super YA, but of course it was still firmly in the YA category. I also sometimes felt like Cinder was just kind of stumbling through the entire story, uh, constantly failing and then succeeding almost accidentally when it was needed. I know in the last book, Winter, it just really felt like she didn't accomplish much until she like absolutely had to at the end. Not trying to spoil it if you haven't read it yet, but there's something that she discovers that I felt she went from being kind of in denial to fully embracing it. And then randomly overnight, it happened that she was embracing it and then just was like really gung-ho about it. It felt a little bit odd to me. Um, and then again, like at the end, she suddenly had like all this knowledge about it and it just felt weird. And I don't know if that was part of it was reading it in audiobook that, you know, I don't pick up necessarily all of the words sometimes and maybe there was, you know, more to it than that. But for me, I just felt like <laughs> the, the biggest, uh, thing that kind of annoyed me was that she wasn't really good at doing the things that she was doing until, you know, she had to, and then she just kind of failed successfully, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, it's also a little bit odd that everyone seemed to be coupled up, and I get that when you have all of these characters and each book is more like a shift in main character almost, um, I'm, I get that there's probably this impulse to create a happy ending for each of those characters in each of those books, but it was like every single one of them somehow found their true love super quickly. And then the story almost focused more on that than the fact that, you know, there's super high stakes involved. <laughs> um, so that was a little bit odd because when you, you knew when a new character was introduced, if it was, you know, oh, that person, okay, well, they're probably going to get together. And you were probably right because they're just there was so much everybody's partnered up and it was a little bit odd. <laughs> um, I will say that I thought the ending was pretty nice because it didn't seem to put like a neat little bow on everything. 
just a bow that we could, you know, be happy with ourselves with. <laughs> it was satisfying enough, but it wasn't, you know, everything is wrapped up and this is the end. It still kind of made it feel like how fairy tales don't end, you know, or fairy tales end with a happy ending, but really it's not like, oh, they lived happily ever after, but this is like, you know, the beginning of their lives kind of a thing. It felt more like it was the beginning of their lives kind of a thing and not just like, oh, they're together and everybody's happy and everyone lived in the end, you know? <laughs> um, so I liked that. I liked that it was more open-ended, I'll say, and we had some good resolutions, but it was still like, well, some things could be up in the air and you don't know how things might go. Um, and it also could probably open up to a adult series or something later on where we see them and meet with them, you know, further in the future in their lives. Let me first just say um, that when you have a series, it's really nice to have a title to that series that's not just that first book, um, especially when it's a super common just word. <laughs> it makes it really hard to look for things and also it's just weird. I guess it's called the Crave series because there's no series title that I could find. Like, you know, Murderbot Diaries is a title and The Lunar Chronicles is a title. And instead, it's just Crave. <laughs> um, anyway, so the first book in the series is, of course, Crave. It's followed by Crush, then Covet, then Court, and then Charm, which is supposed to be between Crush and Covet, I believe. And then there's Cherish, which is coming out sometime next year. I think that's the order I've read Crush, or I've read Crave, Crush, and Covet so far. Um, so we'll, we'll see how the other ones uh, actually come together. I'm not positive because it's a lot of books. I really actually genuinely liked Crave. When I say genuinely, I mean in a genuine guilty pleasure kind of way. I thought it was like the perfect Twilight, but more twilighty kind of a book that's like full of tropes and like exactly something that you can pretend is good but really just kind of hits all those in fiction it's great but in real life it's not great kind of vibes you know like yeah I love when the MC's love interest is all like aggressive and tough and protective but in real life no that's real toxic and not an attractive trait like at all and like <laughs> Would I like it if my husband stood up for me or protected me in some sort of situation? Of course, we all want our partner to support us or protect us or, you know, kind of be our safe zone. But would I like it if he punched someone in the face for saying, like, a rude thing to me? No. That's a hard pass. Unless it's a fictional character like a vampire punching a werewolf, then I'm all for it because that sounds great. Crave also kind of felt like it was almost tongue-in-cheek, you know, like... It was aware of the tropes and it was playing up the tropes because they were so like saturated in it. Um, and that being said, that fun, trope-filled, almost tongue-in-cheek tone, you know, the first book, it didn't really carry over to the second book. In the second, Grace got, oh my god, even more annoying. <laughs> and it has made this series less enjoyable as each book passes by. It was really hard to get through this last one, and it took me a really long time to listen to it because it was hard to just want to listen. <laughs> she kept getting upset in every single, like, you know, in, I guess that was Crush is the next one, right? 
Uh, but she kept getting upset that Jackson was, like, protective of her and didn't automatically go with the plans that she'd come up with, even though she'd literally just showed up in this, like, completely different paranormal world and hadn't been alive for, like, a couple hundred years like some of the other people, like Jackson. <laughs> and, like, obviously you're not really an equal at that point. And it wasn't until the third book that the thought even crossed her mind that maybe she wasn't Jackson, e like, his equal at the time. Like, freaking duh. <laughs> How dumb can you be to think that you're literally, like, a week into knowing that vampires exist and you're going to tell a 200-year-old vampire what it's like to live in that world? No, you're not equal. And obviously, he's going to fear for your life that you're going to die because you're a weak little human being. <laughs> and yet... Literally, the third book is when she's like, oh, maybe we weren't equals. Freaking, yeah. <laughs> no, you are not equals at all. You still aren't equals. Even at this point, you still have only been in this world less than a year. You barely know anything. You don't even know all the things that exist in this world. And yet, she's constantly acting like everything she says is like genius. And she's got so much experience. And she's old and I, I get that's very much like a teenage th teenager thing to do to be like I have experience and I'm smart and I know things and like my parents don't know everything even though they're a lot older like I, I get it's you know teenagery things but oh my god is it annoying <laughs> and like she's constantly getting mad over the dumbest things like the guy wants to walk you to your dorm room and somehow that means he thinks you're like unable to walk to your dorm room on your own or maybe that's just like a nice thing to do to walk someone to their door so that you can still chat a bit along the way i've had plenty of people walk me to my car or walk me to my door and it's not been just dudes who thought that i was incapable of using my legs to get from point a to point b like i've had friends walk me to my car as well <laughs> so I don't understand why she has to make it into like a big deal and it's just like dumb stuff like that that she's constantly twisting people's words to the point that like she makes them apologize when they did nothing wrong to begin with there's this point in I think it's in crush in the second book also spoiler warning for most of the stuff I'll be talking about for crave um the crave series see what I mean it's confusing Anyway, but there's this point in Crush, I think, where she's talking to Hudson, and instead of, like, answering her question, because they're in a public setting, he's like, let me walk you to your room. And she's like, ugh, why don't you just give me a straight answer and talk to me? And he's like, the library is closing, and I'll talk to you while we're walking and others aren't around. And instead of being like, oh, my bad, I didn't realize that was your intention, she instead gets, like, annoyed and for some reason thinks he's treating her like a child by spelling it out for her, even though she literally was like, why won't you just talk to me? And he answered why he didn't want to just talk to her in the middle of the library. And then she's like, well, then fine, I'll, I'll show you what's what. And so she turns to stone. Which, of course, then Hudson freaks out because, like, considering the last time that she randomly turned stone, it wasn't great. And then he, she realized that he's freaking out, comes to the same conclusion, oh, it's probably why he's freaking out, becomes human again and is like, oh, I did that to teach you a lesson. And for some reason, the librarian is on her side and then Hudson apologizes, even though she was just super childish and then, like gaslit him into believing that he was doing something wrong by just explaining 
what she asked him to explain. Oh, boy, guys, and it, it doesn't get better. <laughs> it's just like her constantly looking dumb. Like, everything is shocking to her or she's always asking what was that or what's going on because she has no idea what's going on and again somehow she thinks she's on the same playing field as a 200 year old prince vampire but yeah so she's just constantly has no clue what's happening and yet she's still somehow able to like solve all of the problems that happen and sometimes she can just like talk her way out of a situation But she's so dumb, so how does she, like, she says these things that are supposed to be super profound, but it's like, oh my god, that's really dumb, but somehow it's changed the other person's mind, and now they're like, okay, now we get to go save the day. I don't get it. She's dumb, and yet smart. I whatever. And then the writing, you guys. (laughs) I think it's pretty obvious that the editing was getting, the editing, editing, uh, The editing was getting, like, less and less as each book went on because, like, in the third book, it was getting really annoying because she constantly was repeating phrases. Like, it was the first time in a long time that they did X. She would use that all the time. Or the whole, he says, it's beautiful, but he's looking at me instead of the sunset or whatever. Like, she did that more than once in the same book. And she really likes to say that a person was quiet for so long she thought they wouldn't answer. Like, we get it. But also like, there's gotta be so many awkward silences around this girl because so many people are quiet for so long that she doesn't think that they're going to answer her. And then there's this one time where she ends a chapter with Romeo and Juliet, here I come. And then just like a few sentences into the next chapter, she has a line that ends with painkillers, here I come. It's like, there's no editing. Like no one read this book. No one pulled her back from herself (laughs) no one was saying hey you keep repeating these lines too often and it's annoying because it's very obvious that you constantly are repeating these lines and it's just like every single book like I don't know if it's because it was they were doing really well and it's that thing where like authors start thinking oh I'm an author and I do sell really good books I don't need an editor telling me what to do but like editors are there for a reason because they're a person who's outside of the story who can give you a less biased, you know, approach, <laughs> less biased feedback, and you're, you you got to utilize them. Because otherwise you get freaking the same line every six sentences. Or you keep repeating words or whatever, you know? Ugh. And then speaking of the chapters, which I guess I started ranting, so it's not really speaking of the chapters in this next sentence, but whatever. Um, The chapters drive me nuts. I I think you guys know that I have a thing about chapters anyway, and really like, thank goodness that I am listening to the audiobook because audiobooks are definitely harder to notice. I'd like a super short chapter structure than a book where they're, you know, like you can see that they're physically shorter and like you can tell that it's like two pages. But my goodness, I don't think a single scene has ever been fully within a single chapter. She's constantly creating short chapters to add, like, unnecessary drama to the end of scenes or the end of, or middle of scenes, rather. She's constantly, like, interrupting things and being like, and then I said this, and then, oh, man, cliffhanger, and then the next chapter, next sentence is like, oh, just kidding, it wasn't really anything, and I just created unnecessary drama, but really, she's just doing this so she can come up with chapter titles that sometimes spoil what's about to happen in the chapter. Again, where's the editor? 
don't put a title that says something like, um, what, what was one? One of them was something like, uh, about like daddy issues or something or father issues or something. And it was just her and Hudson in the room. And then the next chapter is something about having daddy issues. Okay. Well, I know obviously that, that Jackson's going to come in because it was like worded in a way that it was like, okay, obviously they're talking about the Vega brothers. And it was just really annoying because she does it to constantly like try to pretend like she's, I don't know, like I feel like she's trying to write something profound and it's not profound, you know? (laughs) Oh boy. Okay, final thing. (laughs) The narrator for these books. I don't know why or how it's happening, but again, I'm sure like they have editors for audiobooks, right? (laughs) But she constantly pronounces words in like the weirdest, most incorrect, most odd way. <laughs> like what, at one point she, there was this thing about the Florida song or whatever, and she kept calling him Florida like multiple times. Like how do you, if you don't know how to pronounce Florida, <laughs> then look it up because no one says Florida. That's weird. <laughs> it's not Florida. It's Florida. Florida, and then it's like, I don't, whatever, you get it. She also can't pronounce Kant, because she says can't, but then she pronounces Kierkegaard, and even says, like, Satra, mostly correct. I don't know how to even say Satra. I, Satra, it's like with the French thing. Anyway, she says Kierkegaard correctly, but she says can't. It's Kant. <laughs> and then she says, like, she said chassis instead of chassis, and she said, like, there was a t- a what was it, a tear in the arteries instead of a tear in the arteries? Like, they're simple words. Why is no one correcting her on how to say these words? And there's there's tons of them that I'm not even, I wrote down even more, but it's fine. I'll get over it. I'm not going to get over it. I have to listen to so many more of these books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you may have thought, oh my god, you hate these books. You're going to stop reading them because that's what normal people do. Plenty of people just stop reading a book in the middle of it, but nope. Because you know what? To be honest, there's still a little bit of a guilty pleasure like aspect to them. So yeah, I'm still going to listen to them again, even though the narrator drives me insane. And even though the books themselves drive me insane, I'll finish them because sometimes, sometimes they are kind of enjoyable. Just most of the time when grace isn't there. Anyway, um, I feel like if you're into sci-fi, Murderbot Diaries is a great choice. And even if you don't like sci-fi, it's still a great choice. Uh, I think people who tend to not like sci-fi get caught up on, like, the more technical stuff. Like, I read somewhere that I think it was fantasy will have 10 pages about the food, while sci-fi will have 10 pages about the spaceship, or something like that. Or maybe it was, like, 10 pages about the scenery whatever. Um, and and yeah, and I can see how that might not be appealing to some to like listen to, you know, like in 70s, Neil Stevenson talking for like 10 pages about how a spacecraft is constructed, constructed, or like a spacesuit is constructed. So I get how that may not be appealing, but I feel like Murderbot is descriptive in some ways, but it's not as because it's like from the Murderbot's perspective. And so like, we get some technical bits and pieces and jargon and whatever, 
but it's in a more digestible, more fun way because it's, you know, this artificial construct telling you things. I don't know. I think it was really good. And I think people who enjoy sci-fi or don't will still enjoy it. Plus they're pretty short reads as well. I think if you're more into YA sci-fi then uh, and with like a little bit more fantastical elements with it, then Lunar Chronicles is a great choice as well. They're fun. It's an interesting world. It's got a really interesting premise and it has moments where I'm like, you know, blah. but it's still pretty good. And overall, I think I still really like the series and I would probably give it more still like a four stars out of five for the entire series, you know, crush. Um, well, if you love Twilight and you love like trashy reads, then yeah, this is probably the series for you. Like if you like watch all of Pretty Little Liar, you can get through Crush. If you constantly rewatch Twilight, you can probably get through Crush. (laughs) Um, if you're currently watching that original A series, original Sin series or whatever, you can definitely (laughs) watch Crush. Um, or listen, or read Crush, rather. But, yeah, if it's not, it's not wonderfully written, um, but it does have more creatures than just, like, the regular vampire werewolf little thing happening, which is honestly pretty cool. And I didn't mention it because I was too busy ranting about it earlier, which is fine. But, yeah, they have, like, other creatures in it, which is, I, I really enjoyed that with Crave. That was really, really fun. Um, because I just, I just realized I said crush the first time. It's the crazy, see, this is, this is why you need to title your series and it's not just the name of the book, especially if every single book in that series is going to have one word and it's all the same letter. Anyway, yeah, go read Crave if you're into the things that you will only think about as a guilty pleasure or if you don't mind when writing is terrible which I don't and there you have it those are my thoughts on the three current series that I am reading the Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells the Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Meyer and the Crave series by Tracy Wolf Thank you so much for joining me. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Mixed Media Reviews Podcast. Please leave me a comment to let me know if you agreed or disagreed or if you have any que- uh, questions or suggestions, something like that. You can also find me anywhere you find your podcasts, probably. Please join me next week where I will be reviewing the TV show Heartstoppers on Netflix. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Bye!